They seem like they believe just like you and I do. They come up to you and talk about that the title of their church is the Church of Jesus Christ or the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Last week we dealt with the whole idea, issue of whether or not there was an apostasy claimed by the Mormons between the time that the disciples died or the apostles died and the present-day church. As you know, if you listen to last week's podcast, there was a whole thing that they go and they tell you, but now what I want to deal with today is I want to deal with the whole idea of how many gods are there? Does the Mormon church profess to be monotheistic? Or are there many gods? Is God infinite and perfect? Or can he be a sinner just like you and I? Join me on the Let's Get Real podcast and let's find out. Thank you for listening to the Let's Get Real podcast. My name is Rob Lundberg, and what I want to deal with today is the whole idea of just how many gods there are. That's right. As Christians, we believe, and and as I shared with you a few weeks ago, we dealt with the whole issue of the Trinity and Tawhid as far as what what the Muslims believe. But we're dealing with Mormonism right now. And Mormons actually try to tell you, and they will try to tell you, that they believe in one God, but they really don't. They believe in the plurality of gods. And Lorenzo Snow, who was a Mormon authority, says, As man now is, God once was. As God now is, man may become. And if that is true, then that means that a person can try to achieve perfection and become a god and have their own universe and have plural wives and populate their own and have their own eternal plan of progression. And I'll talk about the eternal plan of progression later on, but I'm going to deal with the priesthood next week because that's another key important doctrine. But what I want to deal with today on the Let's Get Real podcast is how many gods there are, according to Mormonism. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you some Mormon sources. I'm going to quote them uh, off of uh, some research that we have done over the past 34 years. And they will probably, if you're a Mormon, thank you for listening. And if you're wondering where I get my authority, I want to let you know I get my authority first from Jesus Christ through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit through the Apostle John, who you believe is still alive today. And it comes from John chapter 1, verse 12. It says, For as many that have received him, to them he gave the right or the power or the authority to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. And also I get it from your late prophet Brigham Young where he challenged those who wanted to challenge Mormonism. And Mormonism is a non-profit organization. 
And we are not to be afraid of a false prophet, as it says in Deuteronomy chapter 18, that we're not to be afraid of them. And I'm, I'm not afraid of any criticism that you might want to throw my way because we'll be more than happy to dialogue with you. But Brigham Young said, take up the Bible, compare it with the religion of the Latter-day Saints and see if it stands the test. I've gone and spoken on Mormonism over the years. I had Mormon missionaries confront me. They have told me that I have accurately uh, communicated what the LDS Church teaches, so I don't expect anything less of what I'm going to do here on this episode today. Now, Mormonism believes in more than one God. Joseph Smith talked about this in the History of the Church, Volume 6, page 474. He says, I will preach on the plurality of the gods. I wish to declare, I have always, in all congregations, when I have preached on the subject of the deity, it has been the plurality of the gods. And then he also says in Journal of Discourses, Volume 6, page 5, in the beginning, the head of the gods called a council of gods, and they came together together and concocted a plan to create the world and people it. That's Journal of Discourses, Volume 6, page 5. And then good old Joe, has, he says, again, in Journal of Discourses, Volume 6, and page 3, he says, God himself was once as we are now, as is and is an exalted man. He says this, I say if you were to see him today, you would see him like a man in form, like yourselves. I am going to tell you how God came to be God. We have imagined and supposed that God was from all eternity. Now, listen to this very carefully. He says, I will refute that idea. In other words, LDS, the LDS church does not believe that the God that exists is eternal and has existed from all eternity and spoke time into existence, which is heresy. What he goes on to say is this. He says, I will refute that idea and take away the veil so that you may see. It is the first principle of the gospel, not the gospel of Jesus Christ, but the LDS church, to know for certainty the character of God and that he was once a man like us. Again, that was the founder of the the Mormon Church, Joseph Smith, a false prophet, in the Journal of Discourses, volume 6, page 3. Now, if you have an issue with what I'm taking up here, and you are a Mormon, I would invite you to go to the Facebook page once I post this, and you can go and uh, we would love to dialogue with you, and, take issue, and you can take issue with us there. I'll talk to you more about that as we go through this podcast. Okay, now, if Lorenzo Snow says, as God now is, man may become, and as, uh, you know, the, that means that God was once a man. As man now is, God once was. As God now is, man may become. Now, God the Father, according to the Mormon Church, had a physical relationship with Mary, which makes Jesus Christ an illegitimate kid, if you will. Now, this is what they say. 
only begotten Son. This is Bruce R. McConkie, Mormon Doctrine, page 546 to 47. He says this, These name titles all signify that our Lord is the only Son of the Father in the flesh. Each of these words is to be understood literally. Only means only. Begotten means begotten. And Son means Son. Christ was begotten by an immortal Father in the same way that a mortal man that mortal men are begotten by immortal fathers. That's blasphemy. In other words, Elohim had physical relations with the Virgin Mary and begot Jesus. Now, in the Greek, begotten does not mean physically created. Begotten means sent forth. In the Promised Messiah, page 468, McConkie again says this, There is no need to spiritualize any away the plain meaning of the scriptures. Well, there's plenty of, plenty of ways that you can look at it, not the way that you're looking at it. He says, There's nothing figurative or hidden or beyond comprehension in our Lord's Coming into mortality, he is the son of God in the same sense, in the same way that we are sons of mortal fathers. Now, the scripture says that the Holy Spirit came upon or overshadowed Mary, and she conceived, conceived by the Holy Spirit, Jesus, fully God, fully man, human flesh, in the womb of a virgin, not through coitus or the physical act of sexual relations. That is blasphemy. They also say that God the Father is married. It says, they say this, Orson Pratt in The Seer, page 37, in the heaven where our spirits were born, in other words, they, pre, they believe in pre-existence. There are many gods, each of whom has his own wife or wives, which were given to him previous to his redemption, while yet in his mortal state. And McConkie, again in Mormon Doctrine, says this in page 516, the doctrine that, that there is a mother in heaven was affirmed in the plainness of the first presidency of the church. Now, let me speak to this for just a moment. Mormons believe that the Book of Mormon talks about this. I believe it's in 3rd Nephi that we pre-existed. Our first parents before we got here, in other words. I, I took issue with this back in the 90s with a Mormon bishop in Schenectady, New York with regards to this very thing. And then they go to Jeremiah 1.5 where, where God through the, through the, into the, in the mouth of the prophet says, before I knew you, I knit, before I knit you in the womb, I knew you. In other words, they believe that pre-existence is a reality. And, and of course, we know that's not the case. Now, this is just... You know, by the time we get done with this, you, you, we can't wait till uh, we get to the Bible, right? They also believe that Jesus, the Mormon Jesus, was married. 
Uh, Jesus was the bridegroom. Of course, we know that he's the bridegroom of the church. The, the church is the bride of Christ. But listen to what the LDS has to say. Jesus was the bridegroom at the marriage of Cana of Galilee. We say it was Jesus Christ who was married to be brought into relation whereby he could see his seed before he was crucified. That's Orson Hyde, Journal of Discourses, Volume 2, page 82. And then he goes on to say in Journal of Discourses, Volume 2, page 210, he says, I discover that some of the Eastern papers represent me as a great blasphemer. You betcha. Because I said in my lecture on marriage that at our last conference that Jesus was married at Cana Galilee, that Mary, Martha, and others were his wives, and that he begat children. Heresy. That's heresy. Okay? Also, they believe that Jesus and Lucifer are brothers. The appointed the appointment of Jesus to be savior of the world was contested by one of his others other the uh, by one of the other sons of God. He is he was called Lucifer, the spirit brother of Jesus, desperately tried to become savior of mankind. That's Milton R. Hunter, one of the first council of the 70, the gospel through the ages page 15. Now, before we go any further, you see what is going on here. They say that, well, number one, there are many gods, that they pre-existed, that there are gods in the pre-existent who brought forth spirit children, and ultimately what, you, what you're getting from the LDS church is that we pre-existed in, in, in a previous life, and those who hear the gospel of Mormon are going to have the opportunity for terrestrial, telestial, and celestial uh, lives while you and I go to spirit prison to be greeted by a Mormon missionary and we're to get a chance to hear the Mormon gospel. In other words, there's no hell in the eternal plan of aggression. I'll have another show on, on that one after we deal with the priesthood. Now, they also believe that Jesus is the spirit brother of Lucifer. They believe that Jesus was married they believe that God the Father is married and that God had physical relations with Mary in order to bring Jesus into the world. All of that, friends, is blasphemous. Now, Joseph Smith is said by the LDS Church to stand in judgment. So if you've seen the movie on YouTube, and I think... I think I will link that on here. In fact, I know I will. I'm going to link a YouTube link that the LDS Church does not want you to see that's on YouTube. But what it'll tell you is what I'm about to tell you right now. You know, Joseph Smith stands in judgment uh, along with Jesus and God the Father. Listen to these quotes. No man or woman in this dispensation will ever enter the celestial kingdom of God without the consent of Joseph Smith. From the day that the priesthood was taken from the earth to the winding up of the scene of all things, Every man and woman must have the certificate of Joseph Smith 
Jr. as a passport to their entrance into the mansion where God and Christ are. Brigham Young, Journal of Discourses, Volume 7, page 289. And then he goes and says, in the General Conference Discourse delivered on October 8th of 1854, he says the following, So hear it to all ye ends of the earth. If you ever enter into the kingdom of God, it's because of Joseph Smith, let you, because Joseph let you go there. This will apply to Jews and Gentiles, to the bond and free, to friends and foes. No man or woman in this generation will get a resurrection and be crowned without Joseph saying so. Again, Brigham Young in a general conference discourse delivered on October 8, 1854. Now, <laughs> what, you, what you got? You know, folks, I just want to let you know what the LDS Church teaches. It is flat-out heresy. Okay? Flat-out heresy. And if you're a Mormon and you're listen to the, listening to this, thank you for, for indulging this far. But I want you to take me on on this because I'm giving source after source after source what you believe is heresy. It has not been taught by the Christian church. And your prophet, Joseph Smith, was an arrogant son of a gun who made some boasts that are totally blasphemous as well. Let me give you those. Joseph Smith, History of the Church, Volume 6, page 408-409. I have more to boast of than any other man had. I am the only man who has ever been able to keep a whole church together since the days of Adam. A large majority of the whole have stood by me. Neither Paul, John, Peter, nor Jesus ever did it. That's blasphemy. He goes on to say, I boast that no man ever did a work such as I. The followers of Jesus ran away from him, but the Latter-day Saints never ran away from me yet. Wow. And then he goes and says, in Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, page 363, God made Aaron to be the mouthpiece for the children of Israel, and he will make me to be God to you in his stead and the elders to be mouth for me, and if you don't like it, you must lump it. Wow, wow. I didn't know he was the one that made that statement. Like it or lump it, right? That's not... Well, where, where did he say that? Joseph Smith, Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, page 363. I think I already mentioned that. Now, the above quotations that I have given you up to this point, as unbelievable as they seem to be, they are uninformed, 
And these are an accurate representation of some of the obscured and hidden teachings of the Mormon leadership. The warning of the Apostle Paul to the Christian church in Galatia rings out loud and clear today. And it is just as true today as when the Apostle Paul penned it in A.D. 44. He says this, Evidently some people are throwing you into confusion or trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel contrary to the one that we preach to you, let him be eternally condemned. Galatians 1, 7, the second part of verse 7 and verse 8. And then, of course, in verse 9, he goes and he repeats it. So I say, I said once, I say again, if we or an angel come to you and preach to you a gospel contrary to that which we have preached to you. So there was a sense of seriousness that, that the Apostle Paul was making when he repeats it twice and uses the same word, anathema, which is eternal condemnation, divine damnation. It's the strongest word in the Greek text for eternal judgment that one can get. Now, what is the biblical view of all of this that we have been going and talking about? What is this biblical, what, what does the Bible teach with regards to the LDS church and the heresy that, that, they, that they proclaim. Well, we know that John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he, they, that he gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have, a, have eternal life. And everyone knows that just because a gift is free, it does not mean it is cheap. Eternal life with God is not cheap because Jesus offers it for free. Now, the Mormon plan of salvation, I have alluded to this earlier, and I'll talk to you about this a little bit more in detail as we go through this whole series. But the Mormon plan of salvation is that we are to be saved by grace after all we can do ourselves. So it is sort of uh, God's grace plus my religious works equals salvation for a formula. However, the one true God wants us to be born again by His Spirit and saved and not just to be religious. Real Christianity and real Christians of all denominational sways do good works because God first loved them, not to earn God's favor. This, then, is the Christian message and the gospel. God finished at the cross what we could not possibly do for ourselves. Of course, Jesus said it best in John chapter 6, verses 28, 29, and verse 40. Let me read it to you. Then they asked him, what must we do to do the works required? Jesus answered, the work of God is this, believe in the one 
he has sent. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Not Joseph Smith. Not Brigham Young. Jesus said that. But folks, it takes more than just mere verbal assent, more verbal agreement to set to a set of doctrinal statements in order to be, quote, saved, end quote. It takes a contrite and humble heart to recognize one's sinful and selfish nature. God wants a sincere heart given over to him, not a whitewashed life and a long list of boastful religious deeds allegedly done in his name. You know, people should not let pride or religious traditions keep them from making a sincere and personal commitment to Jesus Christ. If you haven't done that yourself and you want to, you can do that right where you are now. In fact, all you need to do is just pray quietly to Jesus and tell him that you want to give him control of your life and ask him to come into your heart and make you a new creature. As Paul wrote in second letter of Second Corinthians 5.17, he says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. All you need to do, friend, is just confess your sinful nature to Christ and acknowledge your inability to save yourself. In Proverbs 20, verse 9, and 1 John 1, 8, it says this, Who can say I have kept a pure heart? I am clean without sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. And if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. That's verse 9 of 1 John 1. 1, John 1. So, tell God what you want to become. Tell him that you want to become one of his children by adoption through the shed blood of the cross of Jesus Christ. And when you ask Jesus into your life and and, and it is a real commitment with all your heart. The scripture promises that you will be born again. Again, let me share with you first John 1 12, but let me throw in verse uh, 13. First John, I mean, I'm not first John, John 1, 1 12 and verse 13. Let me read it to you. But to all who did receive him, to, he gave them the right to be children of God to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood or of the will of the flesh or of the will of man, but born of God. See, we are born from above. That's the Greek word anonothen. That means being born again. No man can give that to you and to I. Not Joseph Smith, not Brigham Young, not Orson Pratt, not Bruce McConkie, not any of your current past president or apostles that 
what we are refuting and debunking. When you have done this, all of heaven rejoices with you. And folks, I will as well. I'm going to put this podcast on the Let's Get Real podcast on our Facebook group that I just created today. As you listen to it, I want to let you know that we care about you. And we want you to know Jesus Christ in the same way that I know him and other believers like us know him, as Savior and Lord, as the only means for you to have eternal life. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me, not by Joseph Smith, not by Brigham Young, not by any past president or prophet, but by Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ only. I want to let you know that as we go through this series, I want to let you know that you might not like what you hear if you're a Mormon, but I hope this equips you if you are a Christian so that you'll be able to understand more and more about what the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints teaches. I will put more podcasts on that Facebook on that Facebook uh, group page. But I'm going to reference, this will be the first podcast that I'll reference that page in our um, platform, on our platforms. So as you go out this week, uh, we have Thanksgiving next week, or this coming Thursday. And then next week I'll have another episode for you. It'll be still on the, on the LDS Church. We're going to continue on the track. But as you... Uh, go through the week. I hope you all have a very happy Thanksgiving, and I hope it's a reflective one. Be thankful if you're a Christian for what Christ has done for you, that he, through his Holy Spirit, breathed on you and gave you eternal life. And rejoice with your family this week. Be thankful for those that love you and you love. And as you go out this week and you have the opportunity around the Thanksgiving table, reflect the fragrance of Jesus Christ. Reflect the fragrance of His Holy Spirit. Be loving. But more importantly, go out and give them heaven. And we will be back with you, Lord willing, next week. God bless.